Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. And instead it goes to Bailey! Welcome, villains, and gather round for this week's episode of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast from underagaslitlamp.com. It was less Middlesbrough magic and more Borough Boar Fest at the Riverside on Saturday, but either way, Aston Villa are in the fourth round of the, of the FA Cup for the first time since Remy Gard was the manager. We'll look back at our FA Cup progression and preview a tricky trip to Goodison Park on Sunday. I'm your host, Andy, and it's a full house this week. I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Yeah, the boys are back in town. It's a uh, it's a new year, it's a new day, it's a new dawn. And Aston Villa are in the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, where, spoiler alert, we've just been drawn away to Chelsea. So, uh, Daniel, over to you. <laughs> yeah, hi, Craig and Andy. Hi, listener. Chelsea away, it's, it's almost like we shouldn't have got through. It feels... Feels unfortunate, a game we don't want to have, but, you know, we'll turn up, we'll pick up the paycheck, we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? I just just to kind of uh, address it, I suppose, um, it has just been been drawn um, Chelsea away in the fourth round. Um, it's, for me, I just like to, I like to play a team from a different division. That's the whole thing, the whole excitement of it. And, you know, I know you have to beat, beat the best teams eventually but um on the plus side we have beaten them at Stamford Bridge the last two times we played them so it it might not be too bad yeah I'm yeah I would I was really hoping for commentary actually um, yeah that was a derby I used to really enjoy particularly as we always got six points from every of them every year and then we also <laughs> got to pick off their best players um uh shout out to Mustafa Hadji wherever you are today um <laughs> But uh, sadly, away away at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, a Coventry, a Sheffield Wednesday, a Maidstone. I mean, that would have been more romantic and also easier, dare I say. <laughs> so would have ticked two boxes. There's just no magic to it, is there? They said, we've seen Villa play Chelsea. And, it, you know, Chelsea haven't really got anything else to play for, so they're going to put out a strong team. And it just doesn't doesn't get the pulse going, does it? It's not, it's not exciting. It just feels like another Premier League weekend. And as you say, Andy, it's... The novelty factor is what we enjoyed a cup for, not for not for Chelsea's, you know, half a billion pound reserves to turn out against us. Yeah, although the other aspect is away from home, we do kind of rely on the other team trying to win the game for t- to make it a football match, don't we? And Chelsea will undoubtedly, uh, you know, come out and have a go at us. Um, so that might might play into our hands. It might be might be good for us. It just. Depends what happens between now and then, but I guess the I guess the games will be on the the final weekend. Is it the final weekend in in January? I think um, so. A few weeks before then, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, come to that nearer the time. But a uh, bit of bit of breaking news as we're recording. So Aston Villa v Chelsea in the next round. Um, but anyway, we'll get on to on to the Middlesbrough game. Um, 
the team news was um, much debated, and we talked about it last week, myself and Dan, um, about how Villa might might approach this, how Emery might might line up. Um, Villa were without Pau Torres, Yuri Tielemans, and, and Luca Dean, who are all all injured. Um, Emmy Martinez started in goal, and we had uh, Konsa moving back to to centre back alongside Clement Longley, um, with Cash. Uh, Matty Cash returning to right back to 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 good effect as it turned out. Um, Douglas Louise was also rested, joining Ollie Watkins and, and Diaby on the bench. And Bubakar Kamara returned from his suspension um, in midfield with Duran starting up front um, alongside Leon Bailey. Um, there was, like I say, a bit bit of debate about how much rotation might be needed and how much we could actually do given the the absentees. Um, and players were, you know, these obviously players were, lots of players were missing or rested, um, but it still had quite a familiar look to it. Um, Craig, any any thoughts on this selection? Was it about what you expected? I was always, I'm always happy to see Big Daddy Donk in his uh, leather lederhosen strap up and uh, ride again, because uh, I just enjoy that kind of thing. <laughs> and um, I also like to see Douglas Louise having a breather, having a rest. I would have liked to have seen Esri Konza have a bit of a break as well um, because I think that he is being uh, worked like a government mule, as you were, and that's challenging. Um, but you have to go strong. You have to respect the competition. You have to respect the opposition, as we've seen in, in, in the much-heralded recent record in the FA Cup. We've been beaten from pillar to post from a from a from a licorice all sorts box of uh, of of, of ne'er do well football clubs. So away at Middlesbrough was a tricky tie, um, and I think that a strong team, coupled with the fact that we have a little bit of respite in January, is is was 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 the thing to do. And it's also nice to see old uh, John Duran, who I think we should probably spend some time talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me on this, like, Conza looks like he needs a rest, doesn't he? I think he had one of his worst games of the season against Middlesbrough, it felt like. And But I think the thing uh, that really stuck out for me is we probably couldn't change that many more players. Like, it had been as full rotation as we could possibly do without possibly picking Olsen in goal. So it just, just makes us look, as, as we said in the podcast last week, Andy, a little bit thin for numbers. And it would be nice to have one or two extra warm bodies to, to bring on there. Although, like like Craig said, it's always fun to see Big Daddy Donk on the on the screen. Although I don't have a, a telly wide enough to see his turning circle, unfortunately. <laughs> I think I need to upgrade a, a few inches so I can fit it on the screen. Yeah, I mean it's it's always a little bit um, strange seeing him there, and of course, you know, as we we said with 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 Longley, you know, this is a this is a Belgian international, isn't it? You know, you shouldn't have it. Shouldn't be a case where. You feel like you're picking somebody like that, and you're hugely weakening the team. It shouldn't. It shouldn't feel like that, should it? Um, and I think it's a similar argument to you know. I remember. I remember us talking about about Nakamba and his role in the team. You know, and you know, Craig very eloquently um, describing that and how you you just don't get players. You don't expect things of players that they can't do, and. Yeah, Dendonka has a, a a certain skill set which can be utilised really effectively, as we've seen. You know, um, but it does feel like at times, um, you know, he he does he does he does slow the play down, doesn't he? And he, he he's not quite up to speed with with some of the others. And I think it it 
it causes pressure um, on us, doesn't it? In midfield, it causes um, you know the the opposition to you know to 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 feel like they can take the ball off us. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's one of the kind of one of the kind of interesting things about it. And and this is a new world for Aston Villa, us being in this position, right? So we're all having to kind of learn a little bit as fans about what this what this looks like and what this feels like. And I think that we have some growing pains as a fan base, some some tensions as we had in the beginning when Emery started playing out from the back and stuff like that. And um, I think it's all part of the learning curve, but it's it's also a little bit weird to be in this position now and to be here so quickly. You almost feel like um, the meteoric rise has, has, has caught some of our own fans by surprise as well, lads. I think also, not just Nonka for that, Duran, who you mentioned, Craig, there's, there's chat that him and Emery don't see eye to eye and he's possibly off to Milan, but I feel like we've outgrown Duran in the, the year since we've signed him. Like, it, I don't think we've ever moved on from a signing as quickly in in my time as a Villa fan, and it's it, it's difficult. You, I think we've accelerated so quickly through the gears as a club, and we're now we're now swimming in in a swimming pool that's that's much bigger than we thought we were going to be in and and yeah there's the certain members of the squad and including possibly the goal scorer on the weekend who who suddenly don't look like they fit there anymore and but that's why you've got the FA Cup you you get to give those players a run out they can put themselves in a shop window or or kind of give themselves a shot at getting in the team but I'm not sure any of those players did that on Saturday I don't think Emery will be tearing up his his standard starting eleven to fit John Duran or, or Den Donker in there. Where's Danny Ings when you need him as well? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, it's a game we, for him. We got was it thirteen million for him? So uh, let's let's not uh, let's not worry too much about that. Um, but he, yeah, absolutely. I think um, Duran's an interesting one, isn't he? he? You know, he 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 certainly started the game quite brightly, didn't he, in the first half? Um, it was it was a it was a tentative start, really, by both teams, wasn't it? Um, Villa, obviously, having having more of the ball, um, but just struggling to make openings, and 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 you know, Borough were in their in their low block, very compact from from the word go, really, and didn't seem to show too much too much ambition, unless they got you know they did get one or two um, breaks forward, um, you know, which which could have could have turned out differently. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we can obviously talk about Duran. He had a couple of early shots and then just kind of went missing, didn't he? And there is a lot of talk that he might be off on loan to, um, well, Milan's been mentioned. Um, how true it is, I don't know. I, I was quite surprised when he when he was in the team on, on Saturday because I, I kind of, it had been reported that he, it, you know, he was pretty much out the door. So what do you think the situation is with with Duran Craig and you know, is it just a case of you know he'll he'll go on elsewhere and you know maybe maybe hit the heights that we expect maybe not. Um, what I believe with John Duran is that he is um, I don't know if there's a kind word he's immature. Um, I don't think he has developed emotionally in a way that he's developed physically, and um, I say that from experience as someone who also did not develop emotionally <laughs> as much as I developed physically for many years. <laughs> so this is not a, uh, this isn't a damning indictment 
Um, game recognizes I also game. Think game recognizes game. You know, I, I I may have been a less than pleasant nineteen slash twenty year old in in many respects, and I can see that in 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 John Duran. I don't think he's he's nasty or mean or anything like that. I think that he has a real firm belief that he is he is one of the the most promising young strikers in world football. He is just twenty years of age. I think he thinks that he deserves to be playing. And I don't think that he's ready to really understand or learn the kind of nuance of of being developed kind of slowly, slowly, slowly. I guess he's like a uh, 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 a, a horse, a, a horse kind of chomping at the bit to be released, and um, and 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 really needs needs to be managed accordingly. And I think that Emery may not have a great deal of patience for this kind of petulance, this kind of immaturity, because he's all about the football and he's not necessarily interested in in giving John Duran maybe some of the 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 attention that he craves because he has another big squad of players to look after. And and um and I think that there's some there's some stuff there with with John. And I think that we can all see he has amazing, amazing, amazing potential. We can also all see, probably, I think we can all agree, he's not quite ready to be Villa's starting striker. Um, so perhaps a loan would be the, the, the best solution so he can go away, um, develop a little bit um, and, um, and and come back a, a more rounded individual and a more rounded footballer. Yeah, I, I don't even think he's anywhere near ready. He had that, that little purple patch, didn't he, earlier in the season where he scored that phenomenal goal and, and he played a couple of Europa Conference games. But... On the weekend, he was, yeah, he had a couple of long shots, but the rest of it was shrugs and late tackles and just just a lot of attitude, as, as Craig says. And and I don't really want to get onto the subject of Craig's physical development at the age of 19. I think that's for a different podcast. But he just, he just doesn't... All the raw materials there, he's just not developed as a footballer. And, and sure, he needs game time, but this is the problem of being the second striker at Aston Villa. You're not going to get that game time. And I think what worries me is is how do we then, if he goes out and loan, how do you replace him? Because Ollie Watkins is the main man. He's going to start every game that he's fit for, but you need cover. Tempting someone to come in and be that cover is a really difficult ask because if John Duran, who's a 19-year-old from Chicago Fire, doesn't want to play second fiddle to Ollie Watkins, then then who else is going to want to play second fiddle? You're, you're probably either looking at an experienced old head who's who's after the paycheck or or kind of an even younger thing than than John Duran. So I think it puts Villa in a really interesting situation. And you know, the the one thing we know about Emery is he likes workers, he likes players who turn up on the training ground and want to learn. And and if if that's not John Duran, then it wouldn't surprise me if he's you know a loan move is made permanent sooner rather than later. Because all the noise out of Villa Park because he wasn't an Emery sign and it was a scouting team sign in any way. But I, I just think it was a real shame. So it was an opportunity that at the weekend, an opportunity he just failed to take. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I, I, I do just think he's, he's, he's just like, like, like you both have said, he's just not at that stage of his development. And sometimes it, with players, it is wrong place at the wrong time, isn't it? And I think this is, this is where where we are with him we can we could put you know the next two years into developing him um you know with all the all the kind of um issues that might come along with that or we can we can send him elsewhere to do that where he, he might get a bit more 
a bit more game time and a bit more success, you know, and, and that might that might really help him. Um, you know, he ultimately he just needs experience, doesn't he? I think, and and he needs to, he needs to find a coach that he he is prepared to listen to and um, and 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 develop his game because he's he's undoubtedly got huge attributes, and there's a reason why we kept him around rather than Cameron Archer because because I think Archer would have been far more um, up to the task um, in terms of being a, a deputy and coming in and out the side um than than Duran is but you know I think it's it's Duran's raw ability you know he is potentially really really good I, I really think he's got he's got the lot if he can put it all together um and perhaps he needs to go somewhere else to do that you know and that's fine isn't it that's that's all right and sometimes you know I mean you know Chelsea fans you know talk about they had Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne didn't they in their in their academy and their their sort of youth youth setup, you know, but sometimes players have to move around to you know to to meet their potential, and that's that's just the way it goes. Just about everyone's been through Chelsea's youth setup, though, haven't they? <laughs> it's a laundry list of players. Yeah, how, yeah. How's old, I, had, uh, I had six months there. How's old Carney uh, Chukomenka <laughs> shaking out over there at Chelsea? Is he doing well? Is he? <laughs> I think he, he got injured, didn't he? I think he's has he been injured for a. A few months. I think he was he was in the team quite a lot, but he wasn't necessarily pulling up any trees. But um, yeah, he's still still there. Probably make his comeback against Villa and and uh, and, <laughs> and score the winner. No, don't be silly. <laughs> Those things don't happen anymore. Um, we have uh, an interesting thing with with Duran, but th- this is the other the point that uh, was just raised. There is a replacement, and I suppose if you're letting him go on loan, um, which may be required. Um, you have to bring someone else in, potentially on loan. And um, you would imagine you wouldn't go for a young striker. You're looking kind of more of a wily old uh, fox. And um, there has been some kind of tenuous links to old Bobby Firmino, who seems to be wanting out of uh, Saudi Arabia. And I think that um, injuries permitting, that could be someone who, who could be an interesting option. The uh, the Saudi Pro League exodus is <laughs> off and running, in earnest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, what what a player he is. I mean, he's he's slightly different to the name I had in my mind, um, uh, but I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't turn my nose up at, at someone like Firmino, even if it was a you know, well, it'd be a, sh- a short term thing, wouldn't it? Um, you know, absolutely. Um, Dan, have you got any any thoughts on a possible replacement? I mean, in Monchi, we've got the perfect man to go out there and find us a bargain bin replacement. But we were talking about the Chelsea reserve system. Armando Breuer, or whatever his name is, the, the mm. big lad who got injured and, and has shown glimpses, he's the kind of signing I wouldn't particularly mind coming in. Someone with a bit of physicality to them who, you know, he's... He, He's a rental. We we're never going to buy him, so we can ride him hard and put him away wet, so to speak. So we can we can run him into the ground when we need to and throw him on in those late situations. Someone like that, I think, would be good. I think if we're going to sign another striker, I'd like a different profile of striker. I'd like a big man, the, the archetypal big man, just something for those games when we're we're chasing it late on or or we're struggling to break down a low block like we did against Borough. Just something something a little bit different. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, really good player. Obviously, still coming back. I think he scored, didn't he, at the weekend for Chelsea? Um, nice, nice header. Um, the, the 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 name I had in mind, you will both absolutely hate, and and probably switch your cameras off and uh, and 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 walk out your rooms without finishing the podcast. But uh, scored scored a great goal yesterday, um, Patrick Bamford. Now, hear me out. <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> my laptop's being shut as we speak. The thing about Patrick Bamford is, I think, obviously, you know, he's got a huge history, hasn't he, with Villa? He's not, he's not popular at Villa Park one little bit, but he's a player, I think, who has a lot of untapped potential, even though he's sort of, is he just about 30 now? Um and I think he's. I, I. I just think he's got an awful lot of ability. And if you need someone to sort of be play second fiddle, someone who would come, I think, uh, to Villa to do that. I think he's a player who Emery might be able to get something out of, even if it is sort of relatively short term. Um, but I think it says a lot about our potential options when <laughs> Patrick Bamford is coming into the conversation, doesn't it? Well, but he's a good player. He's a, he's a very good player. He's an incredible technician. I would say he's he's 30 now, Andy, uh, 31 later this year. You're probably going to give him a three or four year deal. And I don't think, I can see what you're saying. I don't think it's completely preposterous, but I think Leeds aren't going to loan him. And if you're signing him on a, on a, on a, on a three year deal, I don't think we need him for three years. I think he 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 could fill a gap for six months while Duran's out. But then what do you do with him? Because he's not... I don't think he's a long-term viable no, solution. He but he could be... For a six-month stopgap uh, to support Ollie Watkins, there could be worse ideas, Andy. I'll say that. It's not as horrible. <laughs> but signing him on a permanent, I think, would be out of the question. I would. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. The only problem with him is, I guess, and we're, we're playing fantasy football here, but the other problem with him is as streaky as Ollie Watkins is. So you need to time, like, dovetail their streaks to get the best out of them. <laughs> but, I mean, in previous Januaries, we've got Borja Baston and Grant Holt, haven't we? So, I mean, anything's going to be an improvement on those. It's We'll just wait and see who comes in. But I mean, that's the thing. We, we've got a good recruitment team in place these days. So someone's going to whip out their Rolodex or, or their Filofax or whatever 80s office supplies they're working with and, and go get a deal done. And, and if it's going to be someone well, that's Monchi, who's going to find that player. If things are, if people are whipping things out around the office, that's a matter for <laughs> HR, I think, Daniel. Um, maybe John, <laughs> speaking of January signings, again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe John McCoon could do a job up front for six months. What do you think? John Two was it yeah. John Two McCoon? John Two McCoon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the world's best jumper sweater for our american <laughs> listeners actually <laughs> tangent alert so i i manage a band <laughs> and um uh, we were doing lots of christmas shows and i sent a message to to the lads of the band um i was like all right just um you know dress code for this particular event etc 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 and make sure you have your christmas jumpers on and no one knew what that meant <laughs> And so I got lots of like pictures and gifts of like jumpsuits. I was like, no, <laughs> no, not jumpsuits, sweater, a sweater. So anyway, this is what happens when you're an Englishman in New York, as it were, as a, a sting goes. Oh, well, you know, I'm a few miles away. But anyway. Isn't a sweater a weird name for it? It is. is a big tangent, but like, are you sweating in it? Is that why it's called a sweater? Because it makes you sweat? Or 
This is if, if listeners know, get in touch and let us know. It would be you can tell it's FA Cup for round weekend, can't you? We're, we're on uh, American names for, for fashion staples. Well, it, it says a lot about the first half, doesn't it? Um, that we're uh, <laughs> we've replaced the first half segment with um, talking about Patrick Bamford and Christmas sweaters. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good story though, Craig. Um, I'm full of full of tangents. You 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 need one. You come to me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, I mean, not really um, much 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 point going over the first half too much. Um, I just think, do, does it concern you at all, Craig, about this this how 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 easy teams are finding at the moment to just sort of block us out with that sort of very compact low block? And obviously, we've got. Uh, Sean Dyche and Eddie Howe teams um, up next. Do you think that could be a problem? I think it was. I think it's a problem without certain personnel. Um, I think that what we have is, you know, our, our best passers of the football are Pau Torres, Douglas Ruiz, uh, Yuri Tillemans. And in terms of passing and finding tight space passes, you would look at probably Douglas Ruiz, Yuri Tillemans, and Emi Buendia as being the stars for Aston Villa in terms of that kind of particular brand of of football, picking those really small, delicate locks. And none of those lads started. Um, As much as we love Big Daddy Donk riding to the rescue, he probably would struggle to thread a camel um, through a a causeway. So you have to be careful um, when comparing, you know, apples to pomegranates, as it were. Um, if you watched the Man City versus, was it Huddersfield they played? Yeah. And that yeah. was, Huddersfield were in a, a back six. If you watch those Man City goals, that was an exhibition on how to play around a low back block. It's one or two touch passing, it's intricate movements, it's back heels, it's bamboozling them to the point where you they don't know whether they're coming or going. And our players on the pitch, um, our forward players just wanted too many touches, too many touches, too much time on the ball, uh, no quick one-twos, no fast interplay. And that allows your 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 opposition to reset and, 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 and keep their shape. So I think it is not going to be an issue when we have different personnel available, I would say. Yeah, I think Craig's spot on there. We're, we're missing players. We're missing all our creative players, really. And I just think... I don't think it's a situation we need to address particularly. We're not going to recall Philip Coutinho from loan or something like that. But I think it's uh, I think what we need is is to get players back off the treatment table and back on the pitch, and that's get our best passes of the ball back on the pitch, and and we'll be okay. But as Craig says, it, it's about tempo, and I think we played incredibly slowly against Middlesbrough, and it just made it very easy for them. I mean, a, a low block is hard to do. But it's a lot easier to do when you're playing as slow as well. Yeah, I mean that that that's something I was I was sort of thinking really. It just it feels a bit like the 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 slow steady build up kind of seeps into the forward line as well, and it it because it all looks slow and lackadaisical, doesn't it? When you know, whereas the idea is obviously that that very very slow tempo, and then suddenly. You burst forward and you're in the penalty area, but this this seems to have gone out of our game in re- in recent weeks, and it all it's all too slow. And I've, I'm certainly away from home, and 
that was definitely a feature of the first half. I think it was it was really um yeah, I mean it it just wasn't going anywhere, was it? It was it was all just very kind of tepid and and we kept the ball all the time, but we just didn't do anything with it. And you know, it's just it's just pointless. <laughs> We're a very narrow team at the best of times, and I think against a low block that that really shows. And what I did notice was second half we were pinging a lot, a lot more diagonals and a lot more crossfield passes. I think Cash did it on four or five occasions, and that's what you need to do. You need to make the defense work a little bit more. But to be honest with you, in that first half, Middlesbrough could have just stood still, and we still wouldn't have scored past them. We were we were going that slowly. Yeah, and 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 I also think there is a level of there is a level of fatigue also that is set into yeah. to the players. They're not quite as sharp as they were either emotionally or or kind of or not emotionally, mentally or physically. Um, I know Matty Cash alluded to in his his post match uh, you know comments that the lads are looking forward to a break um, after the Everton game, and I think they absolutely need it. They've they've worked their uh, uh, you know what's off for the first half of the season. Uh, lots of players have, have have played too many minutes. You know, Luca Dean uh, has broken down. I think because he played too many minutes. Cons has had too many minutes. McGinn, Douglas Louise have had too many minutes as well. And um, I think they need a good a good rest as well to um, recharge the batteries and uh, go again, as Paul Lambert would like to say. Yeah, that that is that is undoubtedly true, and we have seen the increase in in those little injuries, hasn't haven't we? Sort of two, three, four weeks um, out, and you know that's that's a that's a sure sign that of of that fatigue that you that you mentioned. Of course, that only makes it worse because then players are having to play even more minutes, aren't they, to cover those 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 absences? So, um, yeah, I mean, we just, obviously it's it, it, you know, we've got the the one game on Sunday, which we'll come on to in a bit, and then and then you know a good sort of couple of weeks break haven't we before the the FA Cup fourth round so hopefully they'll be going going to get some some sun on their faces for for a few days at least and and recharging the batteries like you say um but I mean the second half was was considerably considerably better from from both sides much more lively um both teams kind of tried to be a bit more front-footed trying to avoid the replay I think um both teams Esri Konza uh, hit the post with a header, and McGinn saw a, a twenty-yard, just t- twenty-yarder, just tipped over the over the bar. Um, Emery then made a, a quadruple substitution, which I've, I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> Certainly not from a Villa manager. Um, with Ollie Watkins, Louise uh, Diaby, and Zaniolo all coming on, um, and it, I mean, it did look for all the world like it was going to be nil-nil and a, and a replay, um, but then a. Uh, interesting uh, corner routine involving Bailey and Louise, um, and they managed to work work it round to to Matty Cash, whose deflected shot found its way into the the near post. Pass Glover, who up to that point had a a pretty good game. Um, there've been obviously a, a significant number of late winners or or levelers this season for Villa. Um, so how important is this that we we just seem to always be able to dig something out right at the end um you know either a point or a win from from somewhere it's the new fergie time um we're turning into the mentality monsters um of 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 of, of a team that just doesn't know it's beaten and will keep going to the last minute and also i think this is also a product of our 
passing style. So even when we are up against these low blocks and we're having such a lot of possession, that also, although sometimes it can feel uh, a little bit ponderous, a little bit laborious, but you're also having to remember that the other team, their legs tend to fall off then when you're doing this to them in the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. And how many times have we seen plucky, former plucky Aston Villa go up against Liverpool or Man City uh, or do really well and then the legs just fall off in the last 10 minutes and we and we lose a goal. We're now the uh, uh, the provocateurs doing that to other teams. So that is also an aspect of our game, which I think isn't always recognized, is when we're keeping the ball, keeping the ball, keeping the ball, even though it isn't exciting necessarily all the time, it's not necessarily rock and roll football. We are, there is a function in that we are wearing the opponent down very, very gradually. A bit like um, you know a big a big heavyweight just using the jab, using the jab, using the jab, and, and winning on points in the end. So I think that is definitely part of the um, part of the Emery makeup, which isn't really getting noticed. Is that um, we're we're also wearing teams down with these with these late goals. Yeah, and and hat tip to Austin McPhee again too. Is Andy you mentioned that the Conza one off the post and and the McGinn effort was a similarly well worked corner. And in these tight games, it often comes down to set pieces and they're not the sexiest way to play football. But if you can convert a chance like, like Matty Cash did and, and work the opportunity well for him, then then it's what gets you through to the next round. And and it's those little incremental gains that I think we're starting to see pay off with Villa now. Things like, you know, better training, better recruitment, better set pieces. These, these are the times when they count. And hopefully it's a trend that will continue for the rest of the season. So we... We all know that, that the champions tend to, it always comes back, doesn't they? That they scored late goals and, and claim points when they were down and out. And, and it's what the best teams do. So so hopefully Villa are making a habit of it now. But but yeah, Austin McPhee, as, as much as Matty Cash deserves plaudits for the finish, Austin McPhee does for for making that happen and, and seeing with the McGinn one that it almost worked and keeping them going back. I don't know how he calls them. I don't know if they have names like NFL teams and, and he kind of calls them out from the touchline. But... But it was a good one. I wondered that. I wondered whether it's something that is orchestrated from the bench on each occasion, or whether there's a little um, kind of kind of rotor almost that the, the players go through, so they kind of know which ones come in next. I don't know whether it's something that they because because you'd sort of think players would have a, a certain level of autonomy, wouldn't they? And they'd almost kind of decide on the spot what, what what they were going to do but it feels like there's either a, a, a clear instruction from the bench as the set piece is is being set up or or that they have some kind of order of it and they know which which one's coming next kind of thing I, I don't know what do you think well McPhee goes into the technical area doesn't he kind of for set pieces it's it's really interesting Emery tends to sit down and McPhee kind of goes front and center so but, but surely in, in the blood and thunder of a game, it's hard to communicate which set piece you're, you're not yelling out like Blue 51 or whatever he names them. It's, it's not like NFL where you've got little <laughs> microphones and, and you can call your, call your play. But but maybe there is some sign language. You see the players do it, the, the old one arm up, two arms up. They, they, they've clearly got messages for each other. Um but yeah, I'd be really interested. I doubt we're ever going to find out because we want to keep it hidden. But I'd be really interested in in one of those kind of Amazon documentaries, but purely about Austin McPhee and, and what he does because it's it feels like a it feels we're, we're blurring football and, and American football a little bit here. And 
And I think it's, I actually think it's a bit of a tangent. I'll go on my own one. We might struggle to hold on to Austin McPhee in the summer because I think big clubs will be after him. No, I think he's 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 happy where he is. Don't you say these things, Daniel. <laughs> and the second thing I would say, if we're going to do some kind of Amazon, we could we could make it a dark, gritty cop drama um, type feel <laughs> with uh, Austin McPhee walking down a dark alleyway over broken glass. It's black and white, dimly, you know, a, a, a flashing streetlight above your head, and then the the title flashes across the this, 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 the screen. McPhee, the Gerard year. <laughs> <laughs> Now that could be a that could be a series, I tell you. Well, that would feel like that gif of a man standing in a field, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, the Gerard year, because I think he was sent to Coventry, wasn't he? Pretty much by by Stephen Gerrard. But yeah, I mean, fair play to to Emery, isn't it, for for noticing the the talent and the you know because I mean I <clears throat> I took a long time to to warm to the idea of Austin McPhee. I w- really wasn't sure what he was doing doing, but I think. With these situations, I think it does take time, doesn't it, for these things to bed in and for them to become, and to see the, the you know, the 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 outcome of of all the hard work. It's not something that happens overnight. I remember when he first came to the club uh, with Dean Smith. It was after John Terry had left and Richard O'Kelly had left, and Austin McPhee came in. I think Aaron Danks came in, and. Um, Danny Ings scored that, that overhead kick, didn't they, from from a Matty Cash throw-in. And everyone thought, this is wonderful. This is Austin McPhee working his, working his magic. And, you know, really, he'd only just started, hadn't he, to, to build those things into the into the team, um, into the style of play and everything. And, and now he's been given such a, like we say, front and centre um, position in terms of, in terms of Emery, Emery's, team and and the way the team is coached from the the touchline it's um it's it's clear that he's he, this is a really important part of of what we're doing and um I love it and and I, what I love as well is the media's response to it so they love the fact I mean set piece coaches are fairly commonplace now in in the premier league but when they were talking to to Matty Cash after the game and he mentioned that there's a fullback coach and Mark Chapman had to double take it and <laughs> and just ask him. So you have a fullback coach, you know, and it's kind of it's interesting how how taken aback some of the uh, the, the media people are about 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 some of the new new initiatives that that Aston Villa and other teams are doing at the moment. I think that um, it's it's almost like a. It's it's almost turned full circle. I think also the, the progress has gone a little bit quickly for some of the uh, some of the uh, shall we say previous generation of pundits who uh, find lots of these newfangled ideas very very uh, disconcerting, shall we say? And um, that's always interesting to see one of these uh, individuals, you know, t- screw up their face in bewilderment at the idea that you would have these detailed specialisms in the. Uh, in the in, in in the football club to try and gain those marginal advantages, and you can just see him waiting with the well back in my day, phrase in their head, and then they, they sometimes think better of it. Yeah, Dion Dublin was struggling with the concept of an iPad. It felt like on the commentary, <laughs> so I think the idea of a fullback coach would be even harder for, for the inventor of the dude. So. Um, well, also, it, it's one of those interesting things. When it works, it's great, doesn't it? When it doesn't, it becomes a stick to beat us with. But 
But as Craig says, like why why wouldn't you have a specialist set piece coach and a specialist fullback coach? It almost feels strange that you wouldn't have that at the top tier of football. So, um, but yeah, fair play to Emery, and it's I, I you know we we always kind of praise him as a magician because he is, but he's obviously got the team around him that are helping him. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not training every player all of the time. So there's also that kind of. Um, that hat tip to him and the club for putting the structure and getting the coaches that he needs to succeed as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, obviously, it was it was it was Matty Cash um, that, that that got the winner and uh, you know broke the news that we have a fullback coach <laughs> live on the BBC. Um, and it, he really appeared to to enjoy the goal. Um, I mean, it took a, a huge deflection. Whether it had gone in without that, I'm I'm not entirely sure. It was probably on target. Um, and he did a bit of a fingers in ears uh, celebration, which some people have suggested um, was a little nod to some of the criticism he's perhaps had from the fans in in recent weeks. Um, his place in the team has been sort of subject to some conjecture, with Esri Conza playing at right back a fair bit, and talk that Emery might move to sign a right back um, this month. Uh, Cash remains, I think, a, a really popular player amongst the supporters and and within the squad, and has undoubtedly improved his game hugely during his time at the club. Um, but where do you where do you see his Villa career now, and, and do you think he can continue to be an important member of the team or a, a squad player, or 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 can he kind of kick on to another level and and nail down that spot? Well, I'll never say never. I think I thought that Konza had reached his ceiling and I was really wrong. And I also thought McGinn had reached his ceiling and I was also wrong. So I won't say that Matty Cash has, has reached his ceiling because I, I, you know, will have to perhaps eat humble pie once again. I think what we can probably safely say is that um, Matty Cash currently has some limitations in terms of ball progression. Um, the, and the number of time and also in terms of beating his man and getting to the byline seems to be a bit of a problem. The number of times he's in a promising position in the opposition half and he chops back and, and, and passes in field is, 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 is interesting. And, and that actually, you know, in Matt and Cash's offense, that might be a choice. Um, that might be what he's being asked to do. But lots of times it feels like he gets a bit of a nosebleed up there, which is weird because he's a converted winger. So you would think he would be, you know, really at home in, in, in the final third of the field. Um, but what I think he does need, whatever you think of him, he needs some support. I think Konza plays out there and does okay, but it's not Konza's best position for me. And I think you do lose something when you have Konza out of the um, central defensive area. I think he needs some support. Last year, he alternated a lot with Ashley Young. Um, the decision was made, obviously, which was very upsetting to to some members of the podcast here, that Ashley Young wouldn't be renewed. I think in time, perhaps we can agree that that decision has been borne out to be correct, uh, with Ashley Young struggling this season, I think, at Everton, it's fair to say. Um, but lest we forget that um, he's kind of there on his own as the only recognised senior, senior specialist right back at the football club. So I think that whether you love him, loathe him, hate him, I think he needs some competition and some support. I, I love Matty Cash, but I just think we've moved past him. Craig's right there. His ball progression is the issue. He just he seems to panic under pressure a little bit, whereas the rest of the back line are very composed when they get pressed. Matty Cash just feels very, very panicky in there. He does that chop back too. I don't know if you see it. Every time he goes forwards, 
and he kind of telegraphs it to the entire nation and you see it coming in. It's like Din Donker's turning circle. It's just such a wide chop back. It takes about 30 seconds to happen. And then he plays it back to whichever centre-back's next to him. And I just have a feeling if he could play it forwards and play the short pass, then then he'd, he'd have more of a future in this team. But but as we were saying about Ben Donker, it's the goldfish problem again. Matty Cash is not a ball-playing right-back. He's a get-down-and-cross-it kind of right-back, an engine who gets up and down. But I tell you, I, I did find the celebration kind of interesting. Kind of, I'm all up for silencing your critics, but... But when you've put in a 6 out of 10 performance and scored a fluky deflected goal, that's probably not the time to put your fingers in your ear. Like, wait until you've put the performance in, Matty. But but you know what? You know, long may he continue silence his critics because we all want to see him do well. I'm just, just not sure not sure if he's going to kind of turn the corner for us. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was strange. And, I mean, it might have been just the reaction. He just did it. It didn't mean anything, really. Um, but it does it does tend to be someone who's who's had a little bit of abuse or or criticism from from the fans that or you know they and they put their fingers in their ears and um but i mean he, this is a player who has his has his song sung whether he's playing in the team or not you know so i don't think he's you know i think he's got to balance that out a little bit and people questioning players when you are playing in a really successful team that's that is going to happen if you if your performances drop a little bit below below the level which which they have to be fair to him and I think we all like him nobody dislikes he's he's the most likable footballer you could you could wish for isn't he he's 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 great he's good value and you know he's and he's any and he works really hard it is interesting you say about the, the the ball progression. I wonder if that is a little confidence thing. Clearly, all the defenders are given that option by the manager, aren't they? If you don't think you can make the pass, turn round and recycle it and go across the line again. And they're all given that freedom to do that to hold on to the ball. But he tends to he he does noticeably do that more, I think, than other the other defenders and sometimes maybe if you know if he's if his confidence if he had more confidence in his in his passing um you know he wouldn't do it so much he does take that option quite a lot um and that does that does get under the skin i think of some of the fans at times but he's not doing anything he's not he, you know he's he's doing what he's told to do i think if he's if he doesn't feel the pass is on you know late sideways cut back you know that sort of thing, um, or if you know if he doesn't feel he can take his man on, you know, chop back and and and, and play it simple. I think, and and that's perfectly sensible. You just wonder whether, you know, it's it is a confidence issue, or he just doesn't just doesn't feel feel able to to do it at times. Um, in the same way that perhaps Luca Dean or or Moreno would on the other side. Yeah. Um, I- I, I would suggest it's um it's a uh, it's it's he doesn't have it in his locker yeah that kind of really detailed technical ball ball progression and just the super accurate close control I mean Luca Dean's control and first touch by the way is is a thing of beauty I mean I don't know if it's talked about but I'm talking about it now Luca Dean when he receives any kind of ball he kills it dead can often give himself half a yard of space, a space for the, the the coming, you know, 
and he, he can play and he can play quickly. He can play long. Obviously, he has one of the most accurate crosses in the Premier League as well, does Luca Dean. And I just don't think Matty Cash has those things in his locker. But what he does have is obviously great tenacity, great athleticism, great enthusiasm. And um, he's a really excellent 1v1 defender, a, a better 1v1 defender than Luca Dean. But I just don't think he has that passing range. I don't think he has that technical um, expertise. But perhaps he can develop it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we've missed Luca Dean the last the last few games. I, don't I know agree, what you think. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that, not um, up to speed, is he? That whole left-hand side isn't up to speed. I mean, we spent much of the first few games of the season lamenting how we've been missing our left-hand side in Ramsey and Moreno. And both of them have come back a little bit undercooked, I think it's fair to say, which is understandable. I mean, it's not the end of the world, yeah. but um, yeah, both of them a little bit uh, undercooked right now. Yeah, I think I would say with with Matty Cash is that is that um, the, the, the attributes you've mentioned there, the things he does well, means that whether, whether he's part of the team or not, he can still be a really valuable member of the that squad, that match day squad, because I mean, with five subs and so on, we've seen him come up, come off the bench, and make an impact in in forward areas where he, he is get he does get down, you know, down that side with with Bailey or Diaby, and get crosses in. And I think he can he can affect games from the bench. I think he's that's one of his one of his attributes. Um, and and if you want to tighten the game up as well, he can come on and do that. So, I with the with the increased number of substitutes, someone with his ability, you might not start him. You might be looking to to upgrade him. But I think it just depends what whether he's happy with that. I suppose, but he he could be a really valuable member of that squad going forward, in my opinion. It's, yeah, I agree. But it's also nice to have people fighting for their places. Like, I quite like the idea that Moreno and Dina, you know, when they're both fit, are fighting for their place. I quite like the idea that Bailey and Diaby have been jockeying for a starting position in the team. Diaby started the season strong, and now Bailey's got the kind of shirt and made it his own. I, I, I like that competition for places, and I don't think that having... I don't. I, I wouldn't necessarily see a new right back as a replacement for Matty Cash because again, he's the only recognised one at the club. Um, I would see it as augmenting what we already have, and 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 if you have someone with more of a uh, a, a, a skill set on the ball, then you have two different options. Whereas you know, like you would do on the left, with Moreno being far more dynamic than Luca Dean, and Luca Dean being slightly more technical. I think to have that on both full full back uh, positions would be would be great. Just a quick mention, speaking of uh, right-backs or centre-backs or squad players, rather conspicuous by his absence, I thought, was uh, Callum Chambers nowhere to be seen in the uh, in, in, in the matchday squad at the weekend. Is that, uh, mm-hmm. is that the end of older Callum, do we think? I was just thinking when you said that Matty Cash was the only recognised right-back, that somewhere Callum Chambers is waiting to put his fingers in his ears after scoring a deflected winner <laughs> in the 89th minute. <laughs> <laughs> well we've seen what type of goal Callum Chambers can well, score although it was uh, <laughs> yeah but um, yeah I think he's 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 got to he's got to go and find a club hasn't he and play play some football you know he's he's had too much of this in his career he's, he was he was a really good prospect wasn't he at Southampton and Arsenal early on and he's just had too too much of this in his career where he's been he's been sat out the side and who knows why? Just just pick the wrong level, maybe, um, or he's you know gets signed by clubs and then they realise he's not really he's not quite quite up to do what they what they hope for. And um, 
yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a shame for him. But I, I really hope, I really hope he, you know, he he goes and, and finds somewhere he can he can play some football and at a decent level. You know. We'll always have that free game period where he was pinging the ball around like he was, you know, the best player in the world, and, and we'll always remember that. He can he can at least make a decent thirty-second YouTube reel out of that that brief couple of weeks last season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that, and you know, there might be one or two on the way out, perhaps in in January. Um, you know, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but we, we'll move on to Sunday. Uh, Everton away. I feel like we play Everton a lot <laughs> more than we, obviously more than we do. But we always we always seem to be playing them. Um, obviously, it's the last game before the the, the mini sort of winter break and uh, before we play um, the FA Cup in Newcastle at the end of January. Um, Villa have a, a really good record against Everton in recent years, despite losing actually the last game in the EFL Cup um, back in September. The home match ended 4-0, second game of the season. We got our, our season off and running and it was more representative of what we've done than the, the opening game of the season at Newcastle, which we'll be trying to put right in a few weeks. Um, Sean Dyche has certainly had an impact this season. Um, despite re- receiving the the ten point deduction for the FFP breaches, they remain outside the relegation zone and would be comfortably in mid table without the without the deduction. Um, they're awaiting news, I think, still of uh, Calvert Lewin's red card from from the FA Cup game at Palace, um, which they've appealed. And I think I believe Dwight McNeil is is a potentially a doubt I think he he was he was taken off um in that game too um Emery will hope to have Pau Torres and Tielemans back for this one although I imagine uh, Luca Dean will remain on the sidelines um we've talked about it a little bit but with the uh the issues Villa have with the the low block um I'd expect Everton to to sit in a little bit um are you concerned about this one or and how do you think Emery will approach it I think it's going to depend on personnel. Um, we we've really missed Pau Torres, as as we know. Um, I think we've also missed Tielemans. Um, and I think that we are again to reiterate the earlier point. I think we are a little bit uh, jaded, a little bit tired. So, I think it could be an interesting one. Um, Everton have been really, really patchy. They they win two or three, then they lose two or three. They're on the back of I think of a three game losing streak in the league just drew with uh, Palace in what was um, a, a quite desperate game. Um, we know what Sean Dyche is going to do. We know what it's going to be. Um, and we just have to be ready for that. And I think that if we have uh, power available, if we have, I don't think Tielemans is going to be back, but uh, to see Kamara back against Middlesbrough was a big boost. So we can reunite um, Douglas Louise with his buddy there and unlock him a little bit again moving forward. And that also means John McGinn can play uh, further forward too. I would suggest that we would have a little bit too much for for Everton on on Sunday. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. It's a a little bit needle in this one for me. The father-in-law is an Everton fan. And just before the cup game, I told him that they were circling the drain and and going down this year. And he's he's had pleasure for the last few months reminding me of that every time I see him. So I, I hope we don't lose this one. It's, am I right in saying it's our last game at Goodison too? Because they'll be moving to the new stadium next year. So it's uh, something of a historic Possibly. occasion for Villa. 
Um, but uh, unless they know, go, unless, well, yeah, they might go down. <laughs> well, true. But I, I think um, I think they're a tough team to play against, especially at home. And, and as you say, Andy, the low block could cause us problems. But, but we we should have enough to beat to to beat Everton. We, we really should. And 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 it, it's it's a banana skin, but but we know that Emery knows his way around these games. He's not going to get caught out by someone. Even someone as wily as Sean Dyche, and I, I think it's it should be three points. If it's not, we've we've got a Christmas hangover still, and, and we've got to start worrying about our position in the league. But but I think we'll have enough to beat them. Yeah, I think I, I think I would take a draw in this one. Even I think it feels like one of those away games that is going to be difficult. It's going to be a bit of a long afternoon for us, and um, yeah, if we're not quite on our passing game. I think it's really, like it's really important that that we've we've got Douglas Louise and, and Kamara back in that centre central midfield. I, I, I doubt Tielemans would start anyway. If he was fit, he'd probably be on the bench. And you're really looking to um, you know to control that midfield. We, they've got some 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 good players in their midfield, haven't they? With Decore and Anana and etc. Uh, Gay and so on. But I think. Um, Obviously, it's a game we, we we should win on paper. You know, we should have too much for them. It's just whether we can get our game going away from home, it's, which is obviously something we've we've struggled with. And um, I think even though Everton have had an, an up, uplifting form, I think they've also just recently they're going through through a bit of a dip as well, aren't they? So um, it's going to be um, you know not necessarily it'd be one they're targeting perhaps, but you know not necessarily an easy easy game for either either side. So um, yeah, hopefully, you know certain players are back. Pau Torres is so important, isn't he, to 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 how we how we attack as much as anything. And you know, hopefully, we 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 just we just have enough to get over the line in this one and 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 have a bit of a break. Then, like we say, and try and revitalise again for the the second half of the season because it's gonna be it's gonna be a a really intense long second half of the season, isn't it? It is. It is, and I think that Everton are. You know, a good opponent to play in in this moment. They've had kind of their little bounce, if you like, from their their perceived injustice at the ten point uh, uh, points deduction, and um, they had a real that gave them a real kind of kick up the uh, up, up the backside. But they are a team that has been circling the drain, as Daniel says, for a number of years. Um, I think they were going down under Lampard last season. Let's not forget until Sean Dyche came in and saved the day. Um, they're not going to be in relegation trouble this year because I think there's three, definitely three worst teams, but they're still going to be in that neighborhood, particularly with this points deduction. So this is, if you're serious about being title, title challenges, then you have to win this kind of game. And I think you also kind of need to win this kind of game if you're if you're serious about being in the Champions League. I think it's there's three points available. Everton are in a bad moment. They've also got a an FA Cup replay coming up a few days later, which they may have one 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 eye on, uh, so um, you know, let's let's uh, let's do them. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's see if we can. You know, it's, it's always it's always a big game, isn't it, against Everton? It's a it's a fixture I like, um, particularly as we normally win in recent years. Even Gerard won at Everton, didn't they? So uh, you know, that's uh, that's um, something to something to be said for that. Um, no, but um, predictions then? What, what are we going for for this one, Craig? 3-1, three, three Aston Villa. 
21 Villa. 2-0 for me. 2-0. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick with uh, with Saturday's scoreline and go 1-0. Um, yeah, nice. Ollie Watkins' header later on, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do nicely. <laughs> Might be a difficult watch, though. <laughs> but uh yeah no that's all we've got time for really today thanks for uh thanks for joining great great to have you both both back on again it's been a while but um you know always good to good to catch up with you so so thanks for that and uh thanks to everyone for listening um obviously give, give us a, a follow on the socials uh villa lamp or under a gaslit lamp on all the social media sites and uh check out the website under a for all the all the information um about the about the site and any articles that that might pop up craig gather around again will it be will it be rearing its head anytime soon do you think well yeah but not until probably not until we get back in the uh in the european um swing of things i think we'll be uh we'll keep our powder dry unless you know we we have a breaking news situation where we sign um you know, uh, Mbappe on a pre-contract, and we might have to jump in and do an emergency show. I think we're we're, we're all right for now. Yeah, yeah. Dybala was the other one, wasn't he? That was uh, another another Coutinho-like. We don't have time to yeah. how exciting that would make me. But but look, Craig's got bands to manage. He's got transatlantic knitwear discussions to have. He, he can't be partying all the time, man. No, no, that's true. That is true. No, but I, I like it, so I'm look, looking forward to, to having it back. Um, but, yeah, thanks thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, if you go into to Everton, have a great day. We'll be back next week to to review that and uh, and look ahead to um, nothing, I guess, <laughs> just the transfer window um, next week. Um, until then, stay safe and up the villa.